1: And you're listening to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370, the show about your health, your life, and much more with our rotating cast of experts. You can catch up on all of our past shows on Talk 1370.com/experts. And of course, if you have a question for any of our experts at any time, feel free to email us Ask the Experts at Talk 1370.com. I'm your host, Matt Alvarez. My guest today is Jimmy Evans and Elizabeth Ayala. Uh, Jimmy and Elizabeth are attorneys with. The Evans Family Law Group, Jimmy Elizabeth, thank you for joining us on the program.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Thank you for having us. We're going to start off today's program with some common questions about divorce. Elizabeth, uh, could you go ahead and, and guide our listeners through some of that? What are some What are some things that that you may have new clients come in and and, and ask you?
0: Sure. So we have a lot of clients who come in and they kind of ask the standard questions that you your friend would ask you, Mm -hmm. I'm the dad. Is it automatic that I'm just not going to see my kids except for maybe once a month or every other weekend? I also hear the opposite of that, where people hear from other states that the presumption is that you're going to have equal possession time with your children. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on what side of the coin you are on that one, that's not the case here in Texas. So it can be difficult to try to speak to people about that.
2: Yeah, or a lot of times uh, couples have this uh, idea uh, that in Texas, everything is just 50-50, just automatically. Yeah. And I hear the you know the, the old adage and, or the joke among spouses is typically, hey, what's half yours is half mine anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's a common uh, either understanding or misunderstanding in, in some cases.
1: What about some uh, common questions about cost and about going to court? Is that something that clients ask you as well?
2: Yeah, costs. Obviously, we're you know hiring a family law firm or a divorce attorney or custody attorney is not the cheapest uh, decision. Um, I, I think one consideration that people need to think about real seriously when they're hiring someone is the like your hourly rate or the size of a retainer doesn't necessarily mean that it's more expensive. Um, and what do I mean by that? You know, we're uh, a standard retainer for an experienced firm might be you know five thousand dollars and up, um, and you might could hire someone with less experience at say a twenty five hundred dollar retainer, and their hourly rate is maybe a hundred dollars less than a more experienced firm. It doesn't necessarily mean that you won't spend through that retainer quicker, um, and actually end up spending as much if not more money. And if you were to hire a more experienced firm uh, with a higher rate, uh, because with the more experience, sometimes you actually can save money um, because they have more experience. And they also have much more collaborative working relationships typically with, um, with other attorneys in town. And so – but some of the – probably the main thing, Elizabeth, wouldn't you say is, is the degree that people fight – over things, and the, the level of conflict and how quickly things escalate is probably one of the number one drivers of cost.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I commonly tell people whenever they come in, the biggest predictor of how much you will ultimately pay is how much the two of you cannot come to an understanding, whether that involves a court or it involves just the two people going back and forth and kind of making some concessions. But to touch on what Jimmy was saying, it's also not uncommon for our firm and I'm sure other firms to be second to bat in a sense in that we sometimes have to come behind maybe less experienced firms or you know solo attorneys who were kind of cutting their teeth on their own at first and sometimes a mistake was made or maybe the two attorneys on the different sides. They did not have a good working relationship together. And sometimes that actually drives cost as well because if the two attorneys aren't able to kind of put their personal differences aside, which unfortunately you see a lot. I didn't think coming into family law you would see this, but sometimes attorneys can't put on their big girl pants and kind of just step away from the keyboard. And so you'll just see a lot of bickering and that's not free either. Well, so. and they
2: personalize their case and they sometimes can't step back and um, and see it more objectively, yeah. and so by personalizing the case, they uh, they can actually drive costs and expense.
0: They get so entrenched in it.
2: Yeah, another another cost driver, believe it or not, is in situations where you have the uh, what's the best way to describe it? You have the one spouse that's the super high conflict party, and you have the other spouse who just wants to avoid that conflict, you know, with everything they possibly can. Yes. And I call that a situation where they co-parent, or you know, through what I call chaos. And I can go through more detailed explanation, but it, it's actually more probably nine times out of ten, the non-conflict uh, parent or spouse wants to negotiate and come to agreements, and they want us to draft agreements, and they want us to settle, and they want us to uh, go and do all these things that lead to settlement, and. 9.9 times out of 10 until that other spouse is at a place legally where they just can't really cause any more chaos. Uh, you actually spend more time and money by pursuing those agreements, um, you know, kind of like a, a wine before it's ready, um, you know, th- than if you would just follow a typical process of going to court, having friendly, what I would call a friendly temporary orders and getting the case set for what I would call a friendly trial. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, because a lot of the time it takes that, not a threat of a hearing, but knowing that that hearing is on the calendar, the other side might realize, you know what, I don't want to go to court either. He gave me informally, maybe just the two of us talking, he said that he would agree on X, Y, and Z. Hey, lawyer, do you think you can follow up on that and see if that can happen? Because maybe we don't even have to go to court next week. But unless there's that setting, there's nothing holding their feet to the fire to know. One way or another, we're going to get something put in place that probably isn't a hundred percent what I want.
2: yeah, there's a process that we call in my office um, a, a legal funneling concept you know where you have a, a super high conflict spouse on the other side and sometimes it's men, sometimes it's women. I mean it, it, it's, oh,
0: it's evenly divided. yeah,
2: I wouldn't say it's like gender specific. it just kind of depends on whether there's mental health issues or or somebody's just mad mm-hmm. and a lot of times they're just mad. Yeah. And when you combine that with uh, a mental health issue, it, it's really difficult to wrangle. And, and so you un- until you put them in what I call that legal funnel where, you know, the, think of it like you throw a rock in the water and you see the ripples, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, it, they're really big at first, right? And if you can start making the size of the pond, which is the funnel concept, smaller and smaller and smaller, by moving the process forward, then those ripples become smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, meaning the kind of chaos that that high-conflict spouse can inflict on those around them or you know their other spouse becomes a lot less. And that's something that uh, I think you just need to have experience to know how to recognize that. And because chasing that spouse to get that deal done and negotiate with that, you're either going to cut off your right arm to save your left arm, um, or you're going to spend a lot more money you know, than had you just done it sort of the right way in the first place.
1: I want to turn our attention back to uh, children. So some states presume that, you know, maybe some clients presume that in some states that, uh, what would saying, what asking some states presume that parents have equal time?
2: Yeah, some states do have those presumptions. I can't tell you which one's off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Um, Some states, likewise with, say, child support, uh, they do a presumptive offset between both spouses' incomes um, and then make an offset of what that child support should be. Uh, Texas is not one of those states. Uh, We have what's known as a presumption of a a standard schedule, Mm -hmm. and then we have certain presumptions that apply when it comes to child support. So it may not always be 50-50. No.
0: I actually have some people come in who they see on a TV show, like mm-hmm. on a reality TV show, that these people, they went to court and it was presumed, they use the word presumed, that it was going to be a 50-50 split for possession. Um, you know, Even some lawyers here in Austin, I would say, are kind of divided about whether or not that should step in, and judges too. But I have people come in and they think, okay, if we do a 50-50 schedule, there's one side of the coin where it's if we do a 50-50 schedule, nobody pays child support, right? That's not the case either. It's really the, ch- the child's best interest, and in whether or not you don't want a child to go from a mansion on one side to not having dinner on the next. Mm-hmm. So the court is going to have to step in and try to do something about that if the parents can't.
2: Yeah, and there's so many factors um, that go into making that decision, Matt. Because you know more often than not these days you see role re- gender role reverses. On, you know more often than not you see where it's the the mom or the wife that's the primary wage earner. Um, you know where more men are staying at home or have. Um, less, I'll say, job obligations outside the home. So they do more primary care uh, for kids. Um, but you also have situations where, um, you know, both spouses, it's, you know, in Austin, it's everywhere where people own their own business and or they, they've they invested or whatnot, uh, or they've sold businesses. And so their time is very flexible. Um, and so a lot of it just really goes into the analysis of, of what kind of relationship you have with the kids. How old are they? Do they have any kind of... Special needs when it comes to school or medical or mental health, uh, which parent is able to meet those needs and on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, so I've seen some cases where kids are young and, and a 50 50 arrangement works just fine. I would say most experts would say the younger ones, a 50 50 is not a good idea, but that doesn't mean uh, for a particular family it's not a good idea. And for, the, for those who are listening, if you're talking about Ask the Expert, the number one mistake when a parent wants to get 50-50 possession time with their kiddos is to negotiate no support or a reduction in support or whatnot against that time. Uh, you know, it, it – It's just the number one because judges hate that they're going to make, they're going to make somebody pay just depends on the financial circumstances. And if there is truly a 50-50 arrangement situation, uh, the judges are going to figure that out in the end. Uh, You know, people, we're going to figure out how to balance that out. But, you know, to call a spade a spade, sometimes you have to buy your way into that, you know, and – The other thing that Elizabeth was talking about, when you step back and look at who was going to appointments for doctors or school or whatnot, even some of that in some circumstances is, quote, overlooked or forgiven by the courts. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had a situation um, very very unique and specific, but it was basically this, where they had a traditional, quote, unquote, kind of marriage. Uh, We represented the husband who was an executive at a big company here in town. Um, And mom was pretty much the one who did all of those things. And- Uh, without giving away too much right but they had more than one child i'll just say and um as we were about to head into a hearing about a month before all of that kicked off he was laid off Um, and was given a very handsome severance Um, and his immediate thought was well i can do one of two things you know i can go find the next job and go to the next project um or I told him, or you can be a stay-at-home dad. You know, you could spend the next year uh, doing what you've missed out on, being that T-ball coach or going to those appointments or whatnot. And he hadn't even thought of it that way, um, you know, because he's just so work-driven. Right. And so when we went to the hearing in court, um, you know, he had some other issues that came up uh, that typically would have caused problems uh, and We walked out of there with him getting a stern lecture from the court because of those bad behaviors, but it didn't affect his relationship with the kids or what kind of a father he was. It was really between him and her as marital issues, and we walked out of there with that 50-50 arrangement, and so it, it really just just depends so fathers do have a
1: chance in obtaining some some form of custody then
2: yeah sometimes you got to be very strategic about it though mm-hmm. and there's this knee jerk reaction with some of the media advertising and this perception and some of the i, I hate to say it but these fathers rights you know websites mm-hmm. and um, there there's just not the, there's this knee jerk reaction that dads just don't get a fair shake and it, right. it, uh, you know you're talking to somebody who's done thousands and thousands of cases and th- that, that that's just not the case mm-hmm. it, so
0: and central texas At least the counties that we work in primarily, Hayes, Williamson, Travis, they're more and more leaning towards the liberal side of things, slowly. Mm -hmm. But whenever you think of custody, it's not always mom will get this schedule, dad will get this schedule. It really is just based off the circumstances of the child. And then going back to child support, whenever you come in asking for a 50-50 schedule and saying no child support, you have to keep in mind that there's a few bad apples that have ruined that for the rest of the bunch. That's a good point. It, it art the court knows that there are those dads out there, unfortunately, but I think everybody can agree there are those dads out there who only want a 50-50 schedule in order to not pay child support. So you have to know going in that that's the presumption of the judge. Oh, 50-50 schedule. Let's see what kind of dad this actually is.
1: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. And today we're sitting down with Elizabeth Ayala and Jimmy Evans with the Evans Family Law Group. If you would like to get a hold of their team, you can check out their website, evensfamilylawgroup.com. We're going to step aside for a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We have another segment of AC Experts coming up right after this.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere on the radio.com app.
1: Welcome back to Assey Experts right here on Talk 1370. Today, we're sitting down with Elizabeth and Jimmy from the Evans Family Law Group. We're going to ju- dive right into this because we don't have a lot of time left on this segment. Has your firm handled child custody cases that involved uh, parental alienation?
2: I I would say we're one of the few firms in town that are actually experts in parental alienation. There are definitely a handful. Uh, there are not very many that are what I would call experts in parental alienation. It's such a fluid term. Um, that you know, we could do a three-hour show on mm-hmm. parental alienation. Oh, at least. Um, in addition to bringing on, it'd be fascinating to bring on a couple of the experts in town uh, to just dialogue about it. Because the first uh, issue in parental alienation is: is it in fact parental alienation? Um, in a nutshell, parental alienation is where a child is what people on the street would call brainwashed. Uh, that's not the right legal term, but you know, in effect, where a child has I've been in, in, impressed upon by a parent uh, to have false memories and false reasons to and justifications to basically hate or fear uh, the other parent uh, without having, in fact, what they call their real experience um, is equal to that what is now their belief set because the other parent has caused them to have this adopt, if you will, this belief set that causes them to fear or hate the other parent which is entirely contradictory to their actual experience. Um, in, in a nutshell, you and, and there are experts which are coming around now to actually make it a formal diagnosis. Uh, it won't be called parental alienation, though. It's, it's going to be called parent-child distress, syn- not syndrome, but per- parent-child distress. Uh, I, I would think probably within the next year that'll make it into the DSM-5 um, and or the DSM-6, I guess, by that point. And so it'll actually have a formal diagnosis. Um, so if you think you have parental alienation issues going on, the, uh, the best I can tell you is it's like a fire. The faster you can identify it and the faster and the most lovingly firm but aggressive way that you can put it out is the best way to do it. That's one of those times where you cannot um, hide in the closet or put your head in the sand oh or goodness. ignore it because it, like a fire, will consume whatever is in its path. And uh, if it is truly alienation, um, you have to address it aggressively, firmly, and did I say aggressively? (laughs) Uh, So aggressively.
0: Just to jump on that also, it's not just you against the fire. If you want to handle it properly and depending on how aggressive that fire has gotten, you're not going to be able to do it alone. A lot of the time there's trained therapists especially here in austin who specialize in things like reconciliation therapy really it's just family therapy with a specific focus but trying to get especially if it's like a 13 year old or a 14 year old or something like that and that child has been possibly alienated it is going to be a process
2: well and it's it's a new um well i I can't say new but it's now newly understood is maybe the best way to say it is that Because what Elizabeth just said is typically one of the first places that parents will go or or judges or courts, you know, the system, quote unquote, will go is to place a child into what we call reconciliation therapy with the other parent that's estranged, if you will, for lack of a better word. Uh, But what I've learned now from some of the experts uh, in town is that that's actually can make things worse, Um, where that was the traditional thought process to help repair the relationship uh that can actually make things worse by going into more of a traditional therapeutic kind of ar- arrangement, if you will. And so it's very important um, if you think that's going on. Uh, I think I said aggressive, but be aggressive in identifying it, and the sooner, the better. And I hate to say this because, look, I don't necessarily I do it for a living, but I'm not out here to bust up marriages and encourage divorce. We just happen to be really good at it, and that's people need it. But I'm telling you what, if you're in a marriage where that's happening and your kiddo is you know, three, four, five, six, and those kinds of things are happening, you need to consider getting out as fast as possible and aggressively dealing with that. Um, because staying in a marriage like that where the kids are being exposed to that and you, you're just taking on traditional therapy or, or family counseling or something, it's, it, it's like that fire. And, an alienation fire will consume everything in its path.
0: It's like throwing a bucket of water at a house fire.
2: Yeah, it, it just spreads.
0: <laughs> it's just gonna keep spreading.
2: Yeah, and you'll get burned in the process. I mean, you know, and then you wake up and your kids are fifteen. They hate you, and you know, you're like, "How did this happen?" Exactly. You know.
1: So, let's talk about grandparents. Do grandparents have child visitation rights?
0: Um, the quick answer yeah. is no. <laughs> That's really it. But again, every circumstance is different. It especially whenever it comes to close family members. There's parts of the Texas Family Code where you can go in and for certain people within a certain degree of being related to the actual parent or the child, they can get some type of possession rights if the court wants to step in, but it's it's hard to do.
2: The information is now finally set in you know, within the public where uh, it's, com- it's more common knowledge now that grandparents have zero, basically zero uh, rights by virtue of being a grandparent. Um, that was not so much the case over the, I would say, the last 10 years. It's only been in the last year or two where I think that's more of a common understanding. Grandparents do have an edge when they're seeking access or visitation to their grandchildren, uh, but that's very different from when they're seeking custody. The legislature is very hawkish about uh, anybody, much less grandparents, being able to step in and try to take custody away from parents. Uh, There was a A couple of famous cases in Texas that uh, came down a few years back, as well as a a United States Supreme Court case that complement each other, but basically say in a nutshell that if we have parents who are capable of acting in the best interest of their kids, then they can choose, you know, who gets to have rights or spend time with their kids. And that can be aunts, uncles, grandparents, or whatever. So by virtue of being a grandparent in Texas, you you just don't have any rights to custody or, or visitation.
0: But it's also worth exploring if you are that grandparent who has had primary control of possession of your grandson since he was born, basically, and his mom, you know, she was going in and out of things, and she just couldn't be a parent. The dad hasn't been involved, and you've been taking care of that child for the past six years.
2: Because of that fundamental misunderstanding about grandparents, the situation that Elizabeth was talking about... It's really heartbreaking, um, and we've seen this in movies. These are plot lines in movies where, you know, maybe a mom or maybe the dad's not in the picture. Um, mom tried to do the best she could, but you know, between jobs or alcohol or arrests or whatever, she's just not able to to really, uh, you know, care for the kids. And so maybe mom lives with her parents, and the and the grandkids live, and everybody's living together. Um, but you know, and that ha- Let's say that goes for five or six years. and 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 everybody's happy right and mom is getting it together she's getting her education um, finds that job and and really pulls herself up Um, and sometimes even the dad may find himself back in the picture but guess who's been that primary care role person the whole time and providing all the financial support the grandparents right Uh, but guess how many guess how much legal rights they have in that situation
0: Can I answer with zero?
2: Yeah, I think it's zero, you know, and and so I would say in a situation like that, if we have any grandparents listening and you're headed down that path, probably the biggest mistake they make is doing what I would call the right thing. I mean, the right thing here is not the same as the right legal thing, because the right legal thing, if that's a term of art, is to uh, go get court orders in that moment.
1: We have a little less than a minute left in our segment. Jimmy, would you like to let our listeners know how to get a hold of uh, your law firm?
2: So, 512 628 2550 is our phone number. Um, our website is www.evansfamilylawgroup.com. Um, we talked in the last uh, Ask the Expert segment about our Agreed Divorces uh, program that we have in the office, and people can go to that website, divorces with an S.com, um, for those who are able and Uh, to come to agreement looking for a lower cost option. Jimmy Evans and
1: Elizabeth Ayala are attorneys with the Evans Law Group. Jimmy and Elizabeth, thank you for joining us on the program. Absolutely.
2: Thanks for having
1: us. Thanks for having us. That about wraps it up for this segment of Ask the Experts, but don't go anywhere. We have another half hour coming up right after this.